And we're back, the Duran Show. Pat Mitchell, how are you guys doing? Doing good. Living the dream. Love it. We are. Um, we're, we're actually prepping to go to a uh, tournament next weekend. So we have a, a kind of a, a cool idea tonight. We're basically going to talk through our ideas, what we're going to be taking to the event next weekend. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll unpack the, um, the event once we get there. Um, so kind of a, a preamble to what's to come, a, a foreshadowing. We'll, we'll be able to follow it up afterwards with some detailed bat reps to see if our ideas panned out. But um, before we get into that, we had a couple cool rules, ideas, slash questions that came up uh, that'll be fun to unpack. So um, without any further ado, the first one, it's, it's an army that I play a lot. Uh, and actually, it came up again recently. We, we had a casual game um, locally, and it's Angmar's Golivar. So there is a there was a a lively discussion that came up with Golivar strength of body, strength of will rule, and how that interacts with the game in the middle of the game. So interested to hear what you guys have to think. I mean, I, I floated this to you ahead of time, so you're not hearing this for the first time. But let me give a quick um, a quick background on what the controversy was about and then i'm curious to hear what you guys think so uh scenario golivar strength of body strength of will it's it's the special rule where in conjunction with the i think it's there's there's a i'm blanking on the rule let me look it up the one where his wounds his attacks and his courage are all equal so hold on i got the hobbit book open i'm switching to the lord of rings book immortal hunger uh, nope, that's the one that we're talking about. So strength of body, strength of will. I apologize. So that's the one where Golovar's attacks, wounds, and courage are always equal, right? So then the immortal hunger special rule says that Golovar regains a single wound for each model he slays in combat. And then it qualifies, Rend is, um, it qualifies some brutal power attacks and it says he can't go above his starting profile of four. Um, but that's a special rule. So the use case or the scenario is if Golovar, let's say he's got one attack. Let's say somebody was shooting him down. He finally gets into combat. Golovar's got one attack. He charges in. So he's got that monstrous charge. He wins the combat against, uh, well, he charges, a, he charges a model. He gets countercharged by, say, a maximum of four people. He wins the combat. He knocks everybody down. So his one attack turns into two because of the charge. His two attacks turn into four because everybody's knocked down, so he's trapped making strikes. But he gets two he gets two base attacks to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. With the first attack... He has two strikes. Say that. Two strikes. Yeah. Two strikes. Yep. He has two strikes. With the first strike, he kills somebody. Looking at... And, and, and then in rule... I think it's rule page 47 of the, the multiple combats it says when a model is reduced to zero wounds they're immediately removed from play the immortal hunger rule says when he slays an enemy model in combat he regains a wound so if i if i'm all charged by warriors i kill somebody with the first attack do i get a wound back as i kill that model which means i get an additional attack back that i can then allocate out to the combat that i'm currently in so did that make sense? I, I rambled yes. a bit for there, but hopefully that came across clear, the, the crux of the question. Yes, so the juxtaposition is, does the regaining of the wound 
and from immortal hunger, thereby bringing in strength of body, strength and will happen during and throughout the combat or after the combat phase. Yeah, yeah, that's a way better way of saying it. Yeah, does it happen before? Or after? Does it happen during or only after? And yeah. the, so, if you look at the order of operations, I don't know what Matt's going to say, but I'm just ch- jumping in here. Um, order of operations obviously is dual role: loser backs away, winner makes strikes, remove casualties. That is the order. And what you're referring to is multiple combats, where you versus multiple people. Um, models that are reduced to zero wounds are removed immediately. And, yeah, I could see that. But the only other thing I found was on page 47, which states that if a model with multiple attacks wins a fight, they may make one strike for each attack on their profile when striking their victim. You may choose to fully resolve these strikes one at a time, including using any might. Or all together, if you wish, so long as both players understand exactly what is happening. For more on resolving attacks, see page 47. I'm sorry. So this is on a different page. But um, that, to me, is directing very clear that you're removing casualties after the attack, after the fight, um, that you look at his profile at the time and you resolve your strikes. You remove the casualties and then you you regain his wounds based on those. I don't think he can gain attacks back mid-fight based on what I was reading there. Makes sense. Matt, what, what do you think? Well, I think there's, there's two things that this can play out on. One of them's fairly easy, so we'll start with the easy one. Let's assume that Gullivar on one wound declares a heroic combat and charges somebody. He wins the heroic combat, killing one person, regaining a second wound. Therefore, I think if he charges after the heroic combat, I think everybody would agree at that point he has two wounds when he charges the second hero. Therefore, he'll get two attacks plus the charge bonus, three attacks. Everybody agree with that one? Yes. That's the the easy part of this scenario to unpack. But Golovar charged... Let's just say he was charged. He didn't do the charging by four models. He wins the fight, rolls a six with his one dice. He's lucky. The reason that I I think this is, <laughs> I'm actually probably going to disagree with Mitchell because strength of body, strength of will says Gullivar's attacks and courage are always equal to his remaining wounds. Always being the key thing. So I think... If you resolve the first strike, he regains a wound immediately and then has a second strike available. So I think there is a scenario where he could go up to four attacks in that, just the way it's written. So you guys are all both ref- were, uh, referring to the his wounds and courage, or his attacks and courage are always equal to his wounds. And so I'll phrase this to you then. Is Golovar affected by Harbinger? Yes. Yes. Okay. How does that work then? Is well, Golovar's actually, courage, no, that's a good question. Minus one. That's, yeah, that's a good question. His courage is always four, but then it's minus one after the effect. So that, it's a really good it's, question because it throws into this I, always. No, but I, I, think, I think it's the order of operations. 
his courage value is always equal to his number of wounds. And then afterwards, negative effects come into play. I I love that question, Mitch. And I I, I I think it's a great question. I'm not saying it's not a great question, but I would say because we've talked about this ahead, we've talked about this in multiple different settings. um, Think about, think about attacks. So if his attacks are always equal to his wounds, then he wouldn't get monstrous charge. He wouldn't get, he, he wouldn't get the additional attack for monstrous charge because his attacks are always equal to his wounds. So playing it, playing it out that way, that doesn't make sense. That seems like it's, irrelevant so that's breaking the always part which means in my mind this is clearly saying his profile when you're looking at it is always equals to his wounds and then you add modifiers correct i would agree with that because i also agree with the harbinger i think i heard other people arguing that he's not affected by harbinger which i completely disagree with because like (laughs) you said that means he's not affected by monstrous charge either Okay, Which you're I play, completely if you're gonna, disagree. With. <laughs> exactly. Wait a minute. One or the other. You know, you can't have one or you know, I can't yeah. pick and choose. So no, if you're gonna is... say you're not affected by Harger, Harbinger, you're oh. not affected by Monster's Charge either. But it's this always thing. So we're agreeing that always is you look at it at the start mm-hmm. and then apply modifiers. Right. This is the stage we're setting. So yes. what are your attack value? My attack value is one. So one. I make my strikes. We resolve the strikes. We remove casualties from play. That ends the combat. Yeah, I, I, uh, yes. that's fine. I, and plus, I always want to rule in whatever makes Angmar and especially Gullivar worse. doesn't stack. I've got a whole other um, line of arguments to make here. Clearly uh, only has one strike thereby making Ingmar less popular, done. So I, I think this is a edge case because I don't, I, I think I've had one or two use cases where this has come into play in the entire time I've paid, played Golovar. So it, it's an outlier. I will then say, Mitchell, the, what you just laid out is very logical. And I look through, in kind of preparation for this episode, I looked through what I thought was every hero in every rule book available to us right now mm-hmm. no hero has anything that impacts his attack characteristics except for magical powers but magical powers are clear that the effects of the power last for the entire phase so those mm-hmm. are permanent it starts at the beginning and it goes all the way to the end so no model that i'm aware of that i that i saw has anything that messes with the attack characteristics of a profile right and then you have uh cavalry or charging which you could get plus one to your attack profile right so golovar is totally unique in this situation he is an outlier um he's by himself in the fact that he has his attack value moving at ever let alone in the middle of a in the middle of a turn so the the reason i thought this was interesting is because the use cases where this came up the person I was playing against was trying to kill Golovar. So he had brought in extra people to trap and kill Golovar because, you know, Golovar's one wound left. Well, if you rule that Golovar could basically get more powerful as he's attacking, that makes it a lot more risky for some, especially if a banner, it makes it a lot more risky for that person to try to go for the blitz kill. If you rule that he is static, Mitchell, as you said, where the, the, the attack characteristic is locked in at the beginning of the fight for that fight, it can change after the fight's resolved and your hero combating or barging. It would be different. It resets it or yeah, it resets there. 
I because think, the because the fight's resolved at that point. That's what I'm arguing. The, the fight is resolved. That I, I think it's it makes sense. Um, it, it would just be really a cool little trick if Golovar got more. He basically got you. You're feeding him, so he gets more powerful mid combat. Yeah. That is crazy. He could yeah. be four wounds by the end of the. He could re- regen all the way to the top with yeah. one lucky roll. Yeah. Now let me ask you guys a different rule, but I think the same logic would apply, so we can check for consistency. So Shagrat in combat, no might left. He's fighting. Let's call it a Minas Tirith captain and two warriors. Shagrat's first strike, no might, kills the captain. Second strike, puts two strikes on one of the warriors, misses the wound roll by one. Ooh. Does the might come back immediately or afterwards? Immediately. Okay, then I would say if we decide that as a collective team, then the same thing would apply to Gullivar and he gets his wound back during it. Because the wording is almost the same for Blood and Glory. Oh, I is love it. it. Let's, I'm, I'm po- possibly right not, now. but I think it's a similar use case. I do, All right. I do I'm, enjoy that. I'm, Blood I'm reading it right glory. now. If this model oh. kills an enemy hero model in a fight, they immediately regain a single point of might spent earlier in the battle. Now, I will agree with Matt because he says specifically immediately regain a point of might spent. And but if you're resolving Golivar's, strikes one at a time, that would Golivar benefit. Golovar's rule says his, his attacks are always equal to his wounds, and he regains a wound every time he slays a model. Say and immediately. models are immediately removed from play once they're reduced to zero, once they're reduced to zero wounds. All right, Golovar. Immortal Hunger. Golovar regains a single wound for each model he slays in combat. Rend is the only brutal power attack that Golovar wounds in this matter. Uh, This can never take him beyond four. So basically what I just read there is in combat. Uh, Yeah, so would you resolve the combat all the way? So for each wound... No, no, not each wound. Each model he slays. That's the... Yes, he regains a wound for each single wound people. It's it, Matt. Matt summed this up really well, I think. Do you believe that these special rules can happen during the fight, or do you think they happen at the end of the fight? I think that was a great way to summarize it. And now, Matt, that you brought up the blood and glory special rule, where we're all saying that would immediately impact because you would want to think about Burder. If Burder is the one to kill a troll, well, no, that would probably end the fight. Well, another I monster just say Burder's banner. Blood and glory is great. I think that's great, but it also says the word immediately, where immortal mm-hmm. hunger does not. It says always, <laughs> always and, and immediately. Are but like... he regains a single wound for each model he slays in combat. So do you say, okay, he slayed a model in that combat, therefore I don't regain the wound until the combat's resolved completely, or is it during the middle of that combat? Whereas blood and glory says immediately. As a Golovar player, I would love to say that that means he gets it as the model's removed so going back to the one the one paragraph that i brought up earlier do you guys think this even has relevance then if a model with multiple attacks wins a fight they make one strike for each attack on their profile when striking their victim i no, i think that is i that's why i went through and read everybody's profile because i was looking for heroes with any type of special rule that messes with their attack profile. And what I found, and again, I could be wrong. You guys call me out or 
somebody ping us with the exception to my logic here. No other hero or special rule that I found in the entire set of rules messes with the attack characteristics. Yeah, but let me break in here. Mitchell brings up an interesting point. Oh, hold on, hold on. I, Matt, I got I gotta, the caveat I'm just thinking of. I'm not counting the, um, the ranger profile or the blade roll. If, if you're charged by multiple people, you get plus one attack. I'm, I'm considering that similar to a um, cavalry charge. So I think it's the elf rangers, mm-hmm. the hunter orcs. No, the hunt, hunter two. arcs just get two, and the the rangers get one for everyone in combat, and that's uh, elven knife fighting style or something like that. I can't remember what it's yeah, called. Yeah, so it's for every model that's in addition to the first person, you get plus one attack. I'm a, I was considering that as similar to the cavalry charge yeah. rule. So those those, those you all know before combat starts how many they're going to have. Right. But the the way Mitchell just read that, if you want to put your inner lawyer on. You could say that the answer to Gulivar is it depends, because if Gulivar starts, <laughs> okay, no, 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 you're no. talking to too many lawyers. It he, depends. He, he, hear me out, because the way Mitchell read it in the scenario I laid out, if Gulivar is charged and only has one attack, when he kills the first one, it's over, because you're saying I have one strike, combat over. However, if Gulivar with one wound charges and has two attacks, and he says I have two attacks. I'm directing my first one at this model. Afterwards, I will deal the remainder of my strikes. When he finishes the first one, he still has an attack left, at which point he has another wound and has two attacks left. So no, I, 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 I think that, that you could break that up and say, if he's charged with one, you only get one. If you have two and you get an extra wound on the first one, everybody knows there's more yet to be resolved. <laughs> I don't like that answer either. Honestly, <laughs> That's worse. That's worse. Um, but unpack that though, Mitchell. Unpack why you don't like it. Because now you're saying besides it just feels gross. Like <laughs> let's be honest. Okay. Okay. So you look at an attack profile and you say, okay, Gulivar has two attacks. You then win the duel, and then you make strikes, one strike for each attack on their profile when they're striking their victim. And I, uh, that's what I would yeah. say. I, I, I don't think we're disagreeing with you. I think we're reading well, I think we're all reading that the same way. I think the, the question was does that attack characteristic get locked in at the beginning and cannot be modified? Or can't does can that attack characteristic be modified in the middle of all that? Mm. And it, it I I think it's weird to me. So again, my hypothesis of no other hero or model has this type of changing or fluctuating raw attack characteristic Golovar is off on an island by himself and i and i wanted to see what you guys thought because it would be an incredible safety net he's d5 he's a glass cannon 200 points you're always looking for ways to keep him alive especially when people get some wounds on him but can't you're, kill him you're basically trying to turn Golovar into an ent by bludgeoning through his way through all the warriors by, mm-hmm. oh, I killed that warrior. I get to move on to the next one now. That's yes. essentially what you're trying to turn him into. Mm-hmm. But with a, with a maximum output of he could never have more than five. Four plus one for the charge. I think this would benefit from an FAQ, just to understand the intent. I'd also be curious if anybody in the audience has an opinion on this or has seen like probably something we missed or how, do, how does everybody else play it? Because yeah, yeah. 
a lot yeah. of times consensus writes the rules just by consensus. So even though that's hundred percent agree with you, Matt. And, and I, I thought this was fascinating because Golovar has been such a, well, not in 2020 in 2019, Golovar was such a popular hero at tournaments. I'm very curious. I have never played against Golovar at a tournament. I am very curious to see if anybody else well, has run oh, into this. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because that's really, if if you do regain it, and that's a big if, if you regain it during the combat, I've seen a lot of people who have to waste Gulliver's might on a heroic combat to get him back up to full speed, or to mm -hmm. at least get him out of trouble. So if he is no longer having to burn might to regain wounds and become scary, this model just got a lot more efficient for 200 points. Well, it's still a huge gamble. Nope, never mind. I take it back because you can save your might to make sure you win the combat. No warriors are over fight seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a it's a huge um, a huge detractor from somebody trying to blitz on Golabar. So you're going to be emphasizing spear supports and anything you can do to keep people out of direct based contact with Golabar. My honest problem is throughout this argument, I'm like, yeah, Mitchell's right. And then I'm like, no, Marcus is right. The way the rule <laughs> is written doesn't allow you to draw a clear conclusion, which I think begs yeah. an FAQ. Mm. Well, in, in the way I've, well, we, we were talking about this in our Seattle group. The way I'm going to start playing this is more um, simple because I we had this this really cool discussion of the more simple the rules are, the more fun it is to play. When you're actually playing the game and rolling dice, mm -hmm. it's it's a better experience. So I am going to be playing that Golovar's attack characteristic, Mitchell, as you pointed out, would be locked in permanently for at the start of the fight for the entire duration of the fight and cannot be um, modified mid-fight. Hmm. But I would but again, I would agree with Matt that I need an FAQ on this. If an FAQ well, comes out and says, yeah, that's perfectly legal, I'd be okay with it. I'm... Only it's arguing fine. against it, not because I think you're wrong, but because it doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, it's it's it seems it seems against the intent of the way they set it up. Which guys, you know, we never get FAQs for things we actually care about. That's true. We are That's going true. to learn how Legolas's hey. deadly shot should be applied and played. We and how Floyd's special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Floyd's yeah, Floyd and Lore Master. We we are about never to get hear. another. We're about to get another FAQ, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, oh yeah, because February is when it will come out. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now I have an ad hoc question for you guys that Go will actually, actually not have an impact on me. Blinding light in Clash by Moonlight. Mm -hmm. You cannot see more than 12 inches to target. With mm -hmm. blinding light up, you can, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think that's well established. So if Gandalf puts up blinding light, it's it open season. You. Everybody yeah, it can hurts shoot. You. It hurts you. But you only hit on sixes. You only, right. Yes, correct. Yeah, you, you only hit on sixes. But you yep. have a far... You, ha, you can shoot across the board as long as you're in range of your normal shooting weapon range. And you still get the plus one bonus. It's just you're not limited in your range. Right. Yes. Okay. Now, here's my also, question. Also, goblins are not affected. But go ahead. All right. Now that, now that we have that established, here's my question. My current favorite profile in the game, Lady of Light. She has a blinding light type effect with the light of Ariandel, but it doesn't say it's blinding light. It just gives you the minus six or the you have to have a six to hit. 
Oh. Does Galadriel permanently come with a with a blinding light effect so she can be seen in Clash by Moonlight? I think no, because it doesn't say it, but it is the light of Ariel, however you say his name. I'm, I'm, pulling, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna let you guys. Hold on, I got, I got, I got, I got a really pull this up. Hold on. I've got. I, I'll before, look up blinding you really light. Have. You look up the rule. I'm looking up blinding light. Okay. Well, I've, Mitchell, I've got them both right here because of okay. um, they're both on her profile. So let me read this they verbatim. Both be on it, but okay. Shooting attacks that are direct. So it's a passive special rule. Okay. Shooting attacks that are directed against Gladriel, Lady of Light, or any model within six inches of her will only hit on a two hit roll of six. It does not say it's blinding light. Right. Right. So. I would interpret that as she's got a lot of light, but it doesn't let you see her in Clash by Moonlight more than 12 inches away. I agree, because in Blinding Light, it adds the same se the same sentence, but then it says, additionally, in an area within 12-inch radius around the caster is illuminated, illuminated as if it was daylight. So that is added to Blinding Light, whereas that sentence is not added to Gladrills. So even though it should be, I think, it is not. Okay. Marcus, do you agree? I agree with you guys. I think that one is weird, but I think the caveat that the blinding light specifically says illuminated and the clash by moonlight, what we've already already said. It does I, say as if it was daylight. And I think yep. actually uh, blinding light was FAQ'd. Was, uh, was Galadriel's uh, vial included in with that FAQ? I do no. not believe it was. So then we have confirmation that blinding light does illuminate <laughs> the daylight for clash by moonlight. However, Gladriel's Confirmation, file. but we're not going to go look up. We'll, we'll do it during the editing. We're not going to go look through all the FAQs yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but think, there's, there's the ad hoc question, so you guys can see so, their reaction live. Mm. Well, so they, here is, <laughs> to make this cheeky, here's the scenario. Gandalf is in the back line, 24 <laughs> inches away. He pops blinding light. You can see Gandalf. There is a warband between you and Gandalf. You shoot through that warband. Do you need a two-hit roll of six if you uh, – oh, yeah, I guess you still would because you'd need the, you need to hit before you roll in the ways. Yep. Yes. Yeah. But you could still hit in the ways. So what you, people the, scenario, the scenario you're trying to say, Marcus, is if blinding light is in between you and a warband that's outside of range of blinding light and you target the warband behind – and then you hit them, but then you have it in the way of Gandalf. So you hit on your normal three plus to hit, but you have it in the way of Gandalf, and so you hit randomly hit him, even though you didn't have to roll a six to hit him. Is that what you're trying to say? Same concept, but totally opposite in the fact okay. that so Gandalf is further away. So in Clash by Moonlight, you can't target anybody if they're not within 12 inches. Oh, so I the see. The warband is 13 inches, so I can't legally target them. But I can oh, shoot at Gandalf okay. who's behind them, but then hit them on the end the way rolls. Yes. So that good. would be a way to legally target them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is, I think it follows your exact same logic you laid out in the inverse, where you are shooting at somebody behind, but you get through Gandalf in the way. I think the same concept applies, yes. but just slightly different. Yes. And and I will say that the FAQ agrees with you because they FAQ'd. Uh, it was either an FAQ or it was uh, the rules writer writing a commentary where he said you can get rid of Crabane by shooting behind the crabane and then the away yep. in the way gets them so it's that's the same your, yeah yeah yes that's your yes. which i think is funny 
By the way, a little side note. I always love when Jay comments on uh, something because all he does is like point at the comment below, above or he just says <laughs> yeah. this. this. Like, you know, yeah. It's always so funny. Or he'll just be bland. It says always, so therefore it's always. Baller out. What did he say the last the, – he doesn't post very often, but one of the last posts I saw was he made this snarky comment like, it's almost like we were intending to say exactly what we said. <laughs> that was awesome. It was so funny. Uh, so I, I've got a, I've got another bonus question for you guys. So rules, we're gonna get into the realm of banners and banner effects. Oh, yeah. I've never, I've never, I never really considered this. So here's the use case. Pretty simple. We okay. know it's a standard banner, warrior banner, three inches. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have a fight. I was within three inches. So you have a friendly model that's within three inches. But the, the use case is one, let's say two models. One's a normal sword and shield. The other guys are two-handed. Okay. If the friendly fight is within range of the banner, but not all models are within the range of the banner, do you have to specify which model gets the benefit of the reroll? Because the cab the, the sticky point here is if the uh, regular guy isn't in, within range, do you have to do the banner reroll on the two-handed weapon, which is minus one on the duel? Or so, is the yeah. fact that the banner, because the banner says if the friendly fight is within range of the banner, you get to reroll one dice in the duel. And the FAQs specifically say um, it has to be a friendly model that's within range of the fight. You can't have an enemy model within range of that three inches, but it doesn't specify anything about the models, wear gear, et cetera, et cetera. So as long as it's, yeah. Yeah. But it says for a model to benefit, you know, I I don't know that I have rules backing, but I would say if it only touches the guy who's got the two handed, then the two handed has to use it. So, I, I agree with you, Matt, that that's how I've played it for years. And then this question came up. So I, I went and read it. And if it's okay, I'm just going to read the whole the banner. Yeah, do it. Do it. Um, a banner provides a single reroll to a friendly two, – sorry, two friendly models who are involved in a fight within three inches. Whether it is the model fighting on their own or several friends all fighting against a common enemy, you can re-roll 1d6 in each duel roll to see who wins. This roll can be made after your opponent has rolled their own dice to see who wins, but must be made before might points are spent to adjust the scores. Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense that the banner must be flying, and that's talking about you know if it's on the ground, it can't be used and stuff like blown, that. Right. Um, yeah, it is, it is possible to re-roll and then your opponent might want to re-roll. Um, and that's pretty much it. And then it goes on to passing the banner on. And so, I, and I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Mitch. Go ahead. Sorry. All I wanted to point out there was I was agreeing with you, Matt, that it says, nope, you have to be in range to benefit from the banner, but it just says friendly models involved in a fight within three inches. And then they FAQ'd that it has to be a friendly model in range, not just in range of the fight, but one of your friendly models has to be in range. But it doesn't call out specifically that that is the only friendly model that can re-roll. It just says friendly models can benefit from the banner when they're within three inches and involved in fight. Well, I, I hear the exact same thing, but in the interpretation, I think the way it starts talking about friendly models, it's trying to say only one 
model in that range can benefit the way you read it. So it's saying you don't get three rerolls, you get one, but you have to be in range to get it. So it, I don't know. And I agree, but how they're spinning it, how they're spinning it now, I agree with you, Matt, but how they're spinning it is, okay, I have a, uh, a two-handed model that is in range of the banner. Therefore, I have a friendly model in range of a banner that is involved in a combat. So one of my models in the combat can re-roll a D6, and that's how they're spinning it. And the yeah. interesting, and somebody in our uh, Seattle group here pointed out this scenario, that if you had two models that charged a Mumak on the oval long ends of the Mumak base, <laughs> one is within three inches, the other one is 10 inches away, and the other one's the non-two-handed. So the model that's 10 inches away would get the effect of the banner. Which doesn't seem right to me, which is why I would argue against it, which is why I've always played it. The model that's in range of the right. banner Gets is the one that gets to re-roll. But as he pointed out to me, it doesn't actually specifically call that out. It just says yeah. friendly models get to re-roll 1d6. As long as you just roll one, you get to re-roll 1d6. It doesn't say who has to re-roll it. Yes. And I'm, I'm yes. totally I know. out on this because I had, a brain, I had a total brain meltdown trying to think through this earlier because Mitchell, you and I were, I think, on the exact same page. Yes. We are like, absolutely no. Um, wait, on second thought. <laughs> yes, and it was it was uh, inter- it was uh, hard for me to say. You know, it's kind of a you know Condis chariot kind of thing. You know, like well, technically, I guess you're right. Here's how I handle not- that: you get a really condescending look. You conjure the voice of Sarma, and you put both hands on the table, and you say, "If that's how you'd like to witness, <laughs> go go ahead, but make sure you take a shower afterwards." <laughs> and then they won't do it. <laughs> I love the way to play you again. <laughs> What's that meme of that guy in the basketball game that's got his hands on his hips? Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I would. I think we're all on the same page on that one. Um. Yeah, I don't know what that page is, but I will agree we're on the same page. Yeah, it, it's one of those ones where you can't really argue against it. However, we all play it the same way. You know, if it, it whoever's in range of that, that's the one that gets to reroll. I, I hate saying that that was the intention of the rules writers because I don't know what their intention was when they write it. But to me, it kind of seems like that's what was intended when they wrote that rule. I don't know. This is why I always place my banner out of any strategic range with my bad play to avoid issues like this. <laughs> your, bad, your bad play was really just to enhance the overall experience of the game and to reduce confusion. It's to reduce arguments about rules. Very good. Yeah. But right. that's, the, that's the total list of rules I had written down or rules questions I had written down. So... Um, if you guys have any others, jump in right now. And if the listeners have any others, please keep submitting them. They're super fun to um, to work through and to think about. And I love hearing the unique situations people find themselves in games outside of the Seattle area. Because uh, we've tapped, I think, a lot of our weird ones, our weird use cases. Keep them yep. coming. We also have a YouTube channel now, so you can lay those comments down on there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's that's a great place to do it. So, all right. So the other part of this uh, this episode wanted to talk about, again, restating, we have a tournament next weekend. The tournament next weekend is in North Carolina. It's the Great Battles of the Carolinas. 
Mm -hmm. pull up the actual name of the event to make sure I don't screw that up. Uh, it is a one day, 1,000 point army list. Casual 1,000. Casual 1,000. Always casual 1,000. Three game event. So this is bring your best beat stick army or non beat stick army. Bring your best 1,000 points. You got to win three games and you've got to do it because of the size of the event. I think there's 24 people. Um, Actually, it's more than that. It's 30. It's 30 people now. It's yeah. a 30-person, three-game event, which means it's not. this event is not going to be can you win all of your games. It's going to be can you win all of your games and have major victories and have maximum VP differential because you're going to have at least four to six or seven people that all Tie. have the exact same score and be. it's going to go to the third um, tiebreaker, yeah. The, the third tiebreaker of victory points. So it's going to be critical to maximize victory points in every single game. So what army can you bring that will get twelve VPs every game? Like, yeah, that's the idea. With mm -hmm. the with the best odds of army matchup and scenario matchup, without the complexity of having to survive a five or six game event. So as we're planning this, we did not know the scenarios. We did not know the tables. We still we don't. just uh, we know the tables now. And the um, scenarios. And the scenarios. Wait, what? They posted? Yes. Yes. Oh, I've missed this. Guys, share with me. This will be a live reaction. After everybody, live reaction. after everybody submitted their lists, he posted the scenarios. Which I think is brilliant because I'm kicking myself as soon as he posted them. Oh, yes. I'm like, oh, if only I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. So oh. it was great because I still get to plan for it and kind of like think about possible scenarios in my head of how I want to play the list. But at the same time, yeah, it was it was great because I'm not totally prepared for the event because it was still a blind list build essentially you're keeping me in suspense here what are the tournament what are the so this is going to make or break every army that's all i want to say that some armies will do no i'm just kidding I'm I'm just looking this up now. <laughs> yeah round one is going to be lords of battle round two is capture and control round three is reconnoiter oh my army's going to be great <laughs> oh, I was trying to make him panic there for a second. Lords of Battle, Recon, and Capture and Control. Capture and Control is the second one. Recon's the third. Right. Fair. I like it. Okay. Yep. Okay. So that's what we're going into now. And we know the tables too. I'll have to go look for pictures of the boards yep. they're posting. And uh, next Friday, the day before the tournament, he'll post what table and what our opponent is game one. Uh, opponent with their army or just the name of the person? No, he's not posting armies. He is just posting tables and scenarios. And okay. the, the day before, round one he'll post a round one opponent. Okay. Well, that's cool. Oh, man, that's going to be super That's gonna be super awesome. I um, told him to give me Marcus round one. I can't bring it. <laughs> <laughs> you have such a great record round one against me. <laughs> I just want to rematch... I want a rematch of Dwalin versus Gilgalad, and I hope it repeats itself. <laughs> no, we've already established I will never not heroic strike with Gilgalad when I can. Marcus will Dwalin do that and then lose the 50-50 roll-off and be like, well, I guess I shouldn't have wasted the point of might anyway. Hey, I, I will lose. It's not even 50-50. I will yeah. lose the 30-60 roll-off. Um, but I will know that I didn't do it like I did the first time in <laughs> humiliating fashion. I will take that loss. I will take that loss. 
in your defense, it was dwelling on foot, so it was very unlikely what happened. But still, just stop talking. Like <laughs> you're making it worse. <laughs> Gilgalad died with four attacks, and he wasn't even on. He wasn't even knocked over. No. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. But um, okay. So I, we we're we're teasing this. What do what are you guys taking? Um, I would love to hear the army. A quick, I mean, quick synopsis as we we go through this last segment pretty quickly. But what army you're taking? What you're hoping to achieve? Slash, what we're going to come back to when we do the bat reps? How your army performed? Um, and then maybe a quick note on why you took this army and would it have changed if it was 800 points? Because I have, I had a lot of back and forth with an army that I love at 800 points that I decided not to take because I got freaked out at a thousand points. So. I know we've talked about it a few times, but in the context of the event we're going through next weekend, I think it'd be fun to to highlight. So, Mitchell, you're first. Uh, I've kind of teased it earlier, um, but I had a list originally at 1,000 that I built back in October, and I was really, really proud of this list. This was a lot of fun. I don't normally go for like a mishmash of alliances and stuff, but I did, and it was... It was Treebeard from Fangorn. It was Galadriel from uh, Lothlorien and also Haldir from Lothlorien. And then I allied in also Arathorn because he's the only Valor hero. But to get Halberad and a banner. So I had a 6-inch banner with Fearless, Halberad. I had 15 might, 40-something models, monster, magic, everything. And then the comments started coming out about how Celeborn was not worth his points and stuff like that. And I'm a big fan of Celeborn. Wait, what and comments? Uh, <laughs> where's that man's horse <laughs> exactly so i swapped the list around and i went for more of my pure because i do run this at 800 a lot which is gladriel Celeborn, treebeard which i've told i've told on the podcast before but i just upped it to a thousand and i added uh rumil so basically it's the same thing uh i have treebeard with marion pippin i have gladriel i have Celeborn with all his stuff i have rumil who all is stuff. my does he come yeah. with both fists Yes. And a dagger? <laughs> yes. That his too. pajamas. Yes. He he he's taken his pajamas and he's worn them underneath. That way he can have both. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so and then Rumel, so that you have your parrying guy that's annoying for Does uh, he have to ask Galadriel what he can take in his war gear? <laughs> <laughs> oh mom. Galadriel dressed laid out his outfit before the battle. <laughs> uh let's see. Uh I have it looks like four guys sound like such a pansy. He's like a freaking Lord of the West. Like what happened? <laughs> He's still great. That's why I'm taking him. I'm I'm here to prove a point. The Stop Galadriel, Rumel, and Haldir are going. Can't I do it? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So uh, with them accompanying, so those are my four. Well, actually, it's technically six heroes, but uh, I don't count Marion Pippin unless uh, that way. I'm hoping my opponent doesn't forget them so that they can uh, drop onto an objective, or if Cheater. I have. Uh, Fog Oh, yeah. Treebird, Quadriel. No, Elborn, of course I tell him. Haldir and Rumil. No, it's no, no, Haldir. Not Haldir. Oh, Haldir was in my last Rumil. version. I swapped. I did Haldir and Gladriel original because I had to have maximum yep. models, but I swapped them for Rumil. Yep. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, so it is Celeborn, Rumil, Gladriel, Treebeard, Mary Pippin. Uh, 14 uh, war- Gladrum Warriors with Shield. Uh, four Gladrum Warriors with Spear and Shield. Uh, four Wood Elf Warriors with Spear and Bow. 
And then here's the big one. Eight guards of the Gladrum Court. Those are really fun. And three Wood Elf Sentinels. So in this list, that's 1,000 points. That's 40 models. I have the Treebeard, the, the monster. Three Sentinels. Holy cow. Yeah, I have Treebeard, who is the monster. I have Gladrill, who is the magic caster. I have the backup magic caster slash uh, enforcer, which is Celeborn who can do either make my army fearless, power up himself for enchanted blades or, or someone else, or he can uh, do an immobilize on a troll in case, or just to drain someone, a hero's will, you know? Uh, and, and I have Rumil, who is supposed to go into the enemy leader uh, as long as it's not worth VPs or something big, uh, parry them and frustrate them. And then I have three sentinels to move all your models and get them closer to Treebeard. Yes. So I did play a test game with this, a couple of test games. Uh, one of my test games was against, uh, because my other list I was considering was Depths of Moria. So I decided, hey, one and two, I'll just play them against each other and see what I like. And Rumil and a Treebeard against a Belrog is unfair because the Belrog would finally roll his six and then have to re-roll his six. So it was completely unfair going up against a <laughs> Belrog. Uh, my other test game was against Sauron, which was extremely fun because, ironically, we were playing uh, Reconnoiter. Uh, but uh, that one was a slugfest, and he had the mobility because he had some uh, Morgul knights and some warg riders. But anytime they would get close to slipping around the edge, my sentinel would dr drop out and pull them towards the middle. So they were excellent Dang. defenders. Three of them. That's, that's a surprising amount. They can shoot, so you're you're getting offensive firepower out of them. They've got mm -hmm. lots of spells. They have three spells. Mm -hmm. Two attacks. Two attacks. Fight five. Yep. How many wounds? One wound, D3. So they're very One fragile. Wound. But basically, they have the Elven Cloak. So that's what you bank on. So basically, Sauron did eventually chill Soul 2 because I had to move them. But he couldn't even target them with chill Soul because I because always had them behind a barricade. I had them behind a barricade. Yeah. Man. Well, and I guess, I mean, we've talked about uh, optimal model count, and 40 is good for 800, which means 40 is good for 1,000, because 1,000, most of the time, is just super upgraded lists that are exactly what you see at 800 points. And you've got a defense for everybody's favorite ballista that they bring at 1,000, so you've got blinding light. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, and throw stones. So, I mean, you've got a, you said four Wood Elf Bowmen? Yeah, so I originally had seven eight. Shots. Yeah, I, yeah, seven shots, correct. I originally had eight Wood Elves plus the three Sentinels. That was 11, and I found that was too much D3 in the army. I was, it was, once they got to my Wood Elves, I, even though I could shield, uh, it, it, it did break a lot faster. So I opted to get more D6 in there. So I just kind of halved it. In Lords of Battle and in Capture and Control, you have a huge opportunity to make your opponent run at you and with your seven elf bows plus tree beards throwing stones, mm -hmm. you have the potential to put some serious damage before you can you can boost the score ahead of time. And tree beards throw stones like it's scary. I've been on the receiving end of that several times. It's strength ten. ten. Yeah, it's strength, strength ten. ten. Range eighteen inch kicker. range with a four plus hit. Yep. So you can shoot twice. Yeah. And so you're going to force people to. Uh, close yeah. that gap. So just to say, killer. so Nazgul absolutely get terrified yeah. of Treebeard because all I need is one lucky four, uh, three plus to wound a Nazgul with a strength ten rock. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you'd have to hit the... Yeah, you have to hit them, but it's just a three-plus to wound on a Nazgul, yeah. And because you shoot outside their fly range, they have to sacrifice the fact that you will be shooting at them once. Yeah, it, it's it's filthy. So I think that's that's awesome for um, capturing control and more so for Lords of Battle. Reconnoiter, Treebeard, I doubt will ever be throwing a stone because you're going to be positioning and moving them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, two out of the three scenarios, holy cow reconnoiter will be the challenge obviously um it if i don't so i in that game i uh rolled and treebeard and gladrill came on immediately rumil and keleborn rolled ones next turn uh treebeard kind of moved forward a little bit gladrill kind of positioned a little bit uh rumil and keleborn rolled ones again the next turn rumil finally came on keleborn rolled another one and then the, finally, the next turn, Celeborn rolled a two, which became a three. And I had to use a point of might because it was mm. now time for Celeborn to come on. Um, so I had very bad deployment rolls. But basically, my only play at that point was kill the enemy leader and break the army. Those are the VPs. And, pre- and since I had the Sentinels, I could prevent a lot of things from getting off the board. The problem was I was playing Sauron, who it's really hard to... Uh, break the army because you have to reduce Sauron down to three wounds and it's really hard to kill the enemy leader because it's Sauron. So, mm-hmm. so that was the, that was the place. Um, but it was a very tight game, but I'd never felt, even though I had uh, a few bad deployment things, um, I felt like the army still functioned pretty well. So we'll see how, how I can execute it. My solid army. Yeah. My, my only comment, because I think you're super set for the first two per recon. You cannot end turn two without your entire army on the board i have completely agree with you i i completely agree with you i would not do that now that i played that test game i should have burned the might on turn Cause you two because you only and need one point of might because one two, if two, you roll the one if you, you roll the two one points. you need two points but i completely agree with you that they have to be on turn two um because it just screwed me and i ended up having to burn might anyways so um i agree with you burn the might now just play the army without might especially one. get your uh, what uh whatever warband is in your sentinels are in get that there, one on there's one in each one they're all balanced oh, yeah so there's even, one in the, even yeah. more so the, all of those sentinels need to be on the board to start wrecking havoc slowing your opponent down yeah so it, it would suck like, if you rolled double ones back-to-back ones for each it, warband, but it was it was really cool to see because um so treebeard came on and i didn't actually push him too far forward because Sauron was bearing down, and I wanted to wait for the rest of my guys to come on. Once they did come on, it was super cool because Treebeard moved six inches, and then a Sentinel compelled a guy six inches forward. Which, so the guy came forward first, then Treebeard charged him, and then he did a hero combat another six. So he, Treebeard essentially moved twelve inches that turn uh, to yeah. line up our, which was super fun. But uh, so it, those things play off pretty well. But we'll see. I would challenge you this because I've I run into so many problems with reconnoiter Mitchell. Yeah. If you roll any threes, so Gladriel has three might, Treebeard has three might, Rilman has three might, Killeborn has three might. Yes. If you roll any threes in turn one, burn a point of might, get them on the get them on the board, turn one. If you I, roll I, a one or two, risk the roll for the second one and be willing to burn whatever might necessary to get them on the board. I agree with that hundred percent. I I'll I'll allow I I, I would Definitely burn one point of might. I would hesitate on the first turn uh, more than one might, but absolutely turn two, whatever it takes to get on the board. That's what it's going to take. Awesome. That's going to be a super scary list, man. Cool. 
not as scary as your guys is, but we'll get into those. <laughs> um, I can go next. I've, I might, mine's super simple, so it'll probably be fast. It's the last alliance combination. So uh, we hinted at it. Gilgalad. I love Gilgalad. He's coming. He's making an appearance. It's going to be... Um, he's my leader. Gilgalad. The uh, Numenorean heroes are Elendil and Isildur. I'm bringing both, both of them. Mm. Elendil for his hero combat abilities, a seal door for his fight six, strength five on a horse combination. Doesn't get uh, the ring, but still deadly. Yeah, he's he's cheap. He's strength five. That's that's going to be clutch for any D seven army that could face against. Hint hint. Round one against Matt. Um, <laughs> and then the the last hero I have is Kirden, um, who is going to give me just that that magical buff, the blinding light, the the terrifying aura, the air of command, all of his powers. Um, so those are my four heroes. I am bringing a banner, which Mitchell, I, I forgot if you had a banner in your army. I do have a banner. Yes. Okay. So we both, I guess we both I, wasted I, points I, there, but yeah, but I, I didn't mention this also because we built the list and then submitted them. And then he released the scenarios. There was also a decision. Do you make Galadriel your leader or do you make Treebeard? And just because, you don't want to see Contest of Champions with Galadriel as your leader. I did opt to make Treebeard my leader, so I'm locked in with that. However, now that I see the scenarios, I'm kicking myself. <laughs> I didn't just gamble and make Galadriel the leader. But, uh, so what Treebeard's my leader, and I do have a banner in there as well, which I'm not as um, sorrowful as you are because I tend to find that the Treebeard loves a banner. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I where is your... Your heroes and elites too, at least. So it's not a total waste. If I was running like orcs or Urukai, it might be like, eh, that sucks. But um, okay, so a quick rundown of the overview. So it's all all of the warbands are are fixed, uh, filled with a mix of warriors. So Alindil is bringing um, twelve warriors with uh, swords and shields and spears. The more spears than shields. I find that the Numenorians. Because of low defense, you're going to get a couple sniped out. And because of making sure I'm maximizing to get to 1,000 points, I added a few extra spears in the Numenorean side. So I'm a little spear heavy. Um, but I'll come back to that. There's a reason for it. Gilgalad is bringing some high, high, no, Kingsguard. That's what they're called. And those are the fight six elven warriors. So those have uh, shields, spears, and they're the upgrade. Um, he's got six of those. He's got seven just regular um, shield and spears. So yes, I said that. That's now 13 total spears. That's not a mistake. Uh, he's got the banner with him. Kirdan has five elf bows, uh, one elf warrior with a shield, and the seal door is bringing four more spearmen. So tons of spearmen. The reason for this, number one, I had points to spare. And number two, I thought if even if I cash in all of those spears for an extra model, the utility of being able to have the extra spears, I think, is more valuable than one model. So I am also. It also doesn't change your breakpoint. I'll put point that out because you're at forty. So yeah. adding one more model would bring you to forty-one, which means your breakpoint is still twenty and a half, which means twenty-one will still break you. So no matter what. That's a very good. That's a very good point as well. Um, and I'm only taking five bows, so that also, no no consideration there. The extra spears for this combination is really nice because ultimately, if I could pick my perfect lineup, it would be elves with the shields in front, 
Numenor with the spears behind because then I have the higher defense in front, but the strength four still contributing. So having the extra spears allows me to maybe move some people left and right to try and help set up those battle lines. They're all coming in in different warbands, but whatever. Um, that's it. All all three heroes. I, all, all three heroes are on horse. That can be on horse. Um, the one thing that I'm actually doing for the first time, and Matt, this is because of you. I'm not taking a shield with the Lindel. I've always taken a shield with the Lindel to make him D8. I am not taking a shield with the Lindel because um, the clarification that you you highlighted, he's always going to be fighting as a with his hand and a half sword as a two-handed weapon. You can't shield. You can't get the benefit of a shield if you're fighting with a two-handed weapon, and he's never going to be in a situation where he's not fighting with that extra bonus to try and get the hero combat to go off. So I'll have to be a lot more careful, a lot more conscious about keeping him protected in case there's some sort of ballista or some sort of bolt thrower shooting at him. Make sure he's under blinding light, make sure there's in the ways. Um, but that's five points I freed up to help add some spears. Hmm. Nice. Good move. I think it's a good move because, uh, again, I, I completely forgot about it, too, that you're technically using a two-handed weapon. Technically, you don't get your yep. plus one defense. Yep. Um, I will note that, yeah, you don't get it against if you're not fighting, so like shooting attacks, which sucks, so you don't get your D8 against shooting. Um, you don't get to shield, but I don't think Alenda will ever want to shield, so I agree with the move. So. With Fortify Spirit, I, I would hope I'm never in a situation where I'm shielding. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I agree with it. So, um, that's the army. I am super stoked to hear the scenario. So, number one, Lords of Battle. I, I feel like that's a, a strength because my heroes are munchy, munchy heroes. Elendil, combating, strength five, plus one to wound. Isildur, on a horse, strength five. Um, Kilgalad, strength four, but plus one to wound with his spear on a horse. All of these heroes... Are and made for killing warriors as fast as possible, and not much to slow them down. So you said Gilglad's your leader. Gilglad's my leader because I do okay. not want Alindil to be um, ever hesitant about popping his heroic combat. So yes, he's got the Fortify Spirit. Yes, my leader is now susceptible to magical powers or getting shut down slightly. But it's more it's it's safer in my mind to have Alindil always be free. Always mm -hmm. be confident in striking out and going for those crazy combats yeah. and slingshots. I do find it funny that uh, Elendil has fortified spirit. Isildur is resistant to magic. All your Numenorean warriors are resistant to magic, but the elves are not. So it's ironic that the elves are the one that's susceptible in this army to being shut down. Uh, but yeah. I do like it. Yeah, very, very powerful. going to be hard to stop. I'm hoping to play. So I've never actually played this combination. I've never played this army at a thousand points, but my high level strategy is going to be exactly the same at 800 points. Alind will do his thing. Gilgalad do his thing, but passively, because we've got to make sure he doesn't get one shot. In this thousand point model, I'm going to be very aggressive with both Elindel and Gilgalad. And Isildur is going to be Gilgalad's little bodyguard. Isildur mm -hmm. is always going to be mirroring, shadowing within threat range of Gilgalad to help protect against somebody blitzing him. And I, all of my heroes, hopefully, if we're playing right, all of my heroes will be together and synergizing. But if I do find myself in a situation where I have to split or separate my focus, the Sealder is going to be babysitting Gilgalad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Lords of Battle. Excited for that one. Caption control. Excited for that one because I have the terrifying bubble from Curian. I can camp on some objectives. I've got threat range because all of my heroes are mounted. I've got blinding light so nobody can shoot me off. I've got a few bowmen that I can put on a back objective and pester. Uh, I feel like that's a really solid. If if you get on, me. yeah, get on an objective. It's going to be hard to push you off of it because you got the fight. You got the elven made weapons. You got the heroes. Yeah. So if you plant yourself on an objective, you're going to be doing pretty well. Um, and then reconnoiter. I feel like I have as a good a shot as anybody because my heroes can go left and right to stop a blitz. Alindel's heroic combating, so I can really slingshot to go get somebody. And with the hero combats, I can slingshot my own warriors to start threatening to push for the board so I can get a combat, launch a warrior towards the board edge, but then Alindel's still mopping up. I feel like that's a, even though I only have three mounted units total, I feel like that's also a really strong a scenario for me. Yeah, what's your might count? Because uh, Sealdor's got three, Gilgalad's got three, Alendil's got three, Curedan's got one. So you're at ten might? Ten might total. Yeah, so Curedan is the one I would worry about on recon coming on late. But, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, no, you're, you're definitely set up as, as well as anybody else. Similar to your strategy, Mitchell. If I roll a three on turn one, I'm spending Curedan's might. Yeah, yeah. And similar to you, turn two, all of my warbands will be on the board, unless I roll double ones with Kyrgyz. Or if you even roll twos, because that's right. unaffected. You, yeah. yeah, same. So if, if unless I, I cannot modify the roll with Kyrgyz, I will burn all resources to make sure my warbands will be on the board by turn two. Okay. Good. So. All right, Matt, what do you got? Uh, so I am bringing... Uh, Champions of Erebor with a twist. Oh, okay. Show us off. Show off. Yeah. yeah. Show this so, all right. All right. He's got his, he's got his list pulled up on screen now. Okay. Now I'm going to go send mine to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so my strategy at a thousand points and knowing the people who are holding the tournament is it's going to be beautiful boards, lots of terrain. So right off the bat, I was thinking model count isn't going to be a huge issue because there's going to be enough terrain to be able to pick my fights, um, regardless of scenario. So uh, 39 models in the army. Uh, Thorin on a goat. He's leading uh, 12 Iron Hills warriors with spear, and he's got a goat rider with him. Then you got Dane on the pig. He's got uh, 14 Iron Hills warriors with spear and a pig. Uh, excuse me, a goat rider. Dwalin on a goat with six Iron Hills warriors with spear and crossbow. And he's got a goat rider with him. And then the twist at the end is Galadriel, Lady of Light. Um, idea of the army is the champions do what they do. You've got, I would say, three beat sticks. Two of them with plus one to wound. Thorin with heroic combats. Um, and you've the got powerful the powerful Lady of Light. The Lady of Light, who here, her primary purpose is, of course, to make sure that my big guys aren't getting shut down by magic. She can throw Fortify Spirit up. I'm really not too worried about archery. I am worried about ballistas with this army. So she protects me against that. And she's no slouch in combat. If I go up against a non-magic army, she's no victory points on the table. And fight six, three might, heroic strike, she can go wade in if I need to. Um 
three attacks. Yeah. Yeah, she's no slouch. One thing I did notice about her, because I was looking at the two profiles, is she has the strike, uh, but not the defense, whereas my Galadriel has the defense. So uh, while she is a great combat hero and re-rolls her fate, that's the only thing I worry about, is if you get a mounted person knocking her down, um, no, it's probably threes or fours to wound her. Exactly. She can go down. Um, I will say, though, that it just depends. If it's a opponent moving first, I play passively with the goat riders in the back to be able to come in and bail out. I did that in several practice games and it works. If I'm moving first, I can make sure she's protected. Um, the only time that won't work is obviously since we drew reconnoiter in the third round, uh, goat riders are going to have to be fairly aggressive getting to off the board. So that strategy I'll have to be a little careful, but she can go down quickly, but she's got no VPs and yeah, you know, and, unless it's magic and- army. Yeah, and the yeah, exactly. Unless it's a magic army where you're relying on that fortify spirit. But no, this is a this is a really tough list because you're in D eight a lot of the places, D eight. You have three beat six heroes. Uh does Dan get his master of battle? No. That, no? Okay. Yeah. Well that's a bummer, but still that's uh, you Thorin's have your fearless. Combating. Yeah, Thorne's combating, you have your uh fearless from Dan. You have the Fortify Spirit. Yeah, you got your Anti-Banish. You have your Instill Fear. You got the minus one of Courage. Yeah, you're good. So, exactly. Matt, you, you even have a better... Well, first of all, I'll say I'm, I'm a little concerned on your model count. It seems a little light at 39 models. Um, I wish it was... I'm totally joking. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell's and I at 40. Uh, we're I know. All the same boat. <laughs> we are all in the same boat. Um, you, you actually have, on Reconnoiter, you have an even better ability to have a goat rider you i don't think you need to play aggressive because thorin with a goat rider in a combat you can slingshot your goat rider out of a combat to a safe zone so they can play passive until thorin's heroic combat goes off and then you can fling them to the end of the board and they get a free 10 inches of movement yeah eight eight inches yeah eight eight inches sorry yeah and those those goats may be better than horses but they're not that much better (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and the other sneaky thing is a lot of people forget Dane's got March. So you don't want to be using Dane's Might for March, but in Reconnoiter, in the right scenario, maybe that does play out. Absolutely, call. yeah. Great call. Especially so, if, you're, if you see your opponent not doing the strategy of burning all their resources to come on, and they are coming on late. When oh, you have so many yes. sticks that can up combat and just get off the board... I would absolutely be calling marches then, yeah, to get across if they're not on the board. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk situation, Mitch. I completely agree. I don't have march in my list, but if I have war bands that are sticking and you're on that, would you be down to burn two of Dane's might to march and absolutely press your advantage on the middle of the board to try and overwhelm your opponent early? Or would you be willing to take the advantage of having your models on earlier and save Dane's might. It really depends what the army build out is. Um, If, (laughs) because dwarves, even on a march, they're moving eight inches. Mm -hmm. It's not that aggressive, but But if you can get the cavalry doing it, then two moves of march though then you got it you basically got an entire turn advantage plus your opponent's not coming on right away so that's either two turns or three turns of move advantage yeah mm-hmm. i mean 
here, here's the thing. If it is a board where it forces them to go up the middle because of the terrain, absolutely. If it's a board that's spread out and they can, they have like four different channels to get across the board, the answer is probably no, because if I commit to the middle and they can just come on on a corner and get around me without having to meet me and I'm then burning a march to get off to the side, I'd wait. So it really depends on board setup. Just the way I'd play it, which is usually wrong. Very, very powerful. <laughs> very, very scary. Obviously, actually, I see this one as a really good. If I had to match up against it, I would not be liking my matchup because you're D8 in a lot of places. You have Fortify Spirit, so Gladrill is basically useless for me. Um, you have a lot of Strength 4, so my D8 hero doesn't do much. Yeah, I'd, I'd be scared of this list. Lords of Battle, I feel like this army is going to be hard to... I, I don't know what army could outperform this. In Lords of Battle, yes, I agree. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure we'd find one. Maybe, maybe, maybe a, one with lances. Maybe a lot of burly dudes, like uh, Alendil and Gilglad, maybe. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, the the thing that Matt has that I don't. So I I have three heroes that are punching power. He's got three hours, three heroes that are, you know, significant punching power. But his warriors, on average, will kill more people than mine. Because your warriors are strength four, Matt, right? Yep. The Iron Hills. So yep. strength, your, strength your, or D seven with shield wall, yeah. Your Fearless. Warriors, yeah, your warriors will do more output on average. So maybe our heroes are equal, or maybe I have an advantage. Maybe you have an advantage, but your warriors, I think, a lot of killing power, definitely have the advantage, especially with your crossbows. Yeah, those uh, six crossbows are gonna be nasty. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, capturing control, I feel like. We're all in the same that, boat. 39 models. You, you'll be able to press. That, you have some crossbows to, to shoot across. So you're not going to have to sit on all of them. Your goat riders can go flip them to your side. And then you can leave them and then shoot people off if they try to go. Um, dwarves on capture and control is almost unfair. Because their biggest hindrance is their movement. And you deploy on the middle of the board. Yes. So I, I really see you just rolling over people and capturing control capturing yeah. control is going to be very good for you i yeah, never is... i never thought i'd say this but like as i was writing this list because it's 2021 and i don't have to take corsairs i was actually missing my corsairs i was like man i can get a lot of stuff at a thousand points imagine how much harad would be thrown in there <laughs> you have a problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, this Very is nice. going to be fun. I can't believe the, the scenarios were posted. This changes everything. I've got so much to think about tonight. And he put pictures of the tables so you can go stew over those too. Oh, I'm going to. Oh, this is this is going to be fun. I'm so much, I have got some crazy painting to do this weekend. Um, <laughs> but I'm well on my way. 40 <laughs> models to go. <laughs> so you just have to... You no, just have 39. to 39 <laughs> models to go. I'm looking forward to this. So we'll have to come back. So our, our next episode will definitely be some bad reps. We'll we'll talk about this three game event with 30 people and three games. This is going to be some super exciting. I mean, I, I'm hoping we all go two and zero. And so the last round is all of us trying for three and zero, and then it'll be a blitz to see who can maximize those VPs. But okay, it means Lords of Battle. Watch out for those hero v hero matchups because you need to kill count. You got to double 
you have to double your opponent. So just talking a little strategy here, because I don't think I'm going to be playing either of you round one. Um, that's exactly why I brought eight fight six guards in my list, because <laughs> they, just, they just go into that hero. Okay, I'm fight six now with you. You're not going to be... If you do kill one guy, you're not, hero com- you're not hero combating off of it. Okay, mm-hmm. and then now all my guys are doing whatever. And if, you, if it's something really bad, like a Belrog, okay, Rumil's going into that Belrog. Hero defensing in case you do win it still, mm-hmm. but I'm going to parry and make your Belrog lose after every turn because there's no way against a unless something unbelievably happens there's no way you're getting three times mm-hmm. the model kill count mm-hmm. uh i will say mitchell because of our game if you go up against a mounted army yes especially looking at the the list we just ran through bite the bullet go for the horse kill first to maximize those kills yes go for the horse kill first especially on a mounted army because there's usually less model count anyways so you're it's doubling the cavalry models essentially. So, yes. And we're all resilient. We all have high skill, I, high strength, or high defense. I'm just imagine re- if I get an orc army on Lords of Battle because Thorin is the only one who's not potentially a beat stick. But with Okrist, he gets or <laughs> he gets Goblin Bane, Urukai Bane, or uh, Orc okay. Bane, and he causes terror. So he'll all of a sudden become a hero killer at D3 wounds every orc, plus oh. the Bane. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that Sorry, be- Sh- Sorry, Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is uh, one of the. So this is the one that I really. I'm gonna regret saying this, but I do hope I see cavalry armies. Yeah. Because I would love to set the up the combo of a sentinel pull it towards Treebeard, Treebeard hero combat, run into the next one and hurl down the line of cavalry models. I really I mean, want to set that. That combo. would be so cool just to see. <laughs> Yeah. With three Sentinels, Mitchell, you don't even have to burn a combat because you could bring two in and have – you could barge. So you could just bring it close enough to where you can guarantee a barge like within one inch. Or you could you can position with those other – with three yes. Sentinels, you can do so much against a cavalry exactly. army. It's exactly. not even requiring a hero combat. And if by some reason they pass their courage test and they're like, yes, I survived the Sentinel, Gladiol comes in and be like, eh, I'll just – I'll still pull you no matter what. Hell yeah. No, that's yeah. You have four models that can move people. So that's going to work well with Hurl. Um, so I, I feel like we all have a great opportunity to maximize VPs on Lords of battle on capturing control. I think it's going to be very dependent on who we face. I feel like capturing control is going to be the trap game. I really feel like capturing control is going to be a trap game. Yeah, you can easily get sucked in and not think about the VPs or get outflanked. So, yeah, so it's definitely about the halftime. We've got and, to do the halftime. Yes, do the halftime. Pause. But this one I also want to emphasize to both of you. This is the one where you only get one point for a leader wound, not for kill. Mm-hmm. One point for breaking the force. So that's only two points. All other ten points are in the five objectives. Mm-hmm. So no so matter what, aggressive. do not worry about the enemy leader. Do not worry about breaking the force. Make sure you get those objectives. That's yep. what it's all about. Yep. This is the trap. So we, we talked about it, I think, in our last episode or the episode before. It's the um, importance of avoiding major loss. Mm-hmm. But in this case, since there's only three games, we, we are looking for major wins. We have to double down. Yeah. So, you yeah, we've got to play for... Um, this is the new yeah. rule pack, right? So this is going no. to be this no. whole rule. So you just have to win by four. Yes, four win more. by four or more VPs, and it's a major victory. 
Okay, so this is this is going to be even this is going to be critical on the capture control because four VPs. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a it's kind of a bummer. I wish it was the new rule pack. Totally it, changes the way you I, go about I it. I agree with you. Except control, it, hell yeah. it, the new rule pack favors low scoring VPs because yes. if you four to two, that you you take a major. It yep. sucks on high VP scoring. So if you score ten to eight or ten to six, then that is a minor win in the new rule pack but yeah that's major true. so if you win 10 to 6 in the old one that's a major you win 10 to 6 in the new one that's a minor so yeah that's our, true our armies are built for the so looking at our list our armies are built for the high vps so this is going to be unfortunate for us because armies that win those scrappy last minute vps five, yeah. uh 10 well yeah those those crappy ones those armies are go are the absolute counters to our armies horde yeah crazy bowfire i'm thinking urukai i'm thinking mordor moran and orcs i'm thinking all of those combinations of normally we would be it, it's the counter to it's the counter to our, our yes those are the ones that are going to be winning in games one and games two those close ones mm -hmm. no matter what happens i just would like to see a goblin town in lords of battle to see galadriel in still fear clear the way yes. and then the elven blade go into the goblin king and be like i'm sorry <laughs> yes matt please. do not please. say that please knock on wood right now matt because knowing the luck that you have you're gonna <laughs> yeah. draw goblin town on reconnoiter and be oh. cursing yourself <laughs> no i said lords of battle not <laughs> Yes. Yes. I, That's I a very ask. good point, Mitchell. I was worried so, about that. If I see the scribe on reconnoiter, I'm going to be just uh, pounding the table. My Sentinels and Gladriel are just going to stay back the entire game and be like, please don't run off. Yeah. yeah. That's that's an auto loss. On... Ugh, it's it's a very... Reconnoiter, that's an auto loss. No, it's not an auto loss. Nothing's Luckily. an auto loss. Well, well it's not, unless it's you not get Galadriel by the scribe to minus the courage out, but I mean, I mean, who knows it, what? I, I, I would say that I favorable because I have the Sentinels, but I would say also take courage because I doubt Goblin Town will be taking two major victories through uh, Lords of Battle and through Capture and Control. So I would yeah, take. They'll be in a bad spot for the first yeah. two. Yeah. Let's let's think about this. So. Assuming best case, and I don't want to drag this on too long, so I won't ramble, but assuming best case scenario, we all play well, Lords of Battle, major victory. Into round two, we all play well, major victory. In round three, we can order. This is going to set up an incredibly fun game because, again, you know you're going to have to maximize your VPs. So the matchup you have, and the amount of aggressiveness you have to have in order to get off the board versus just defending, right? Because if this is a six-game event and you knew you were in a comfortable place, you could play defensively, you could play passively, but knowing you only have three games and you have to maximize those VPs, we're all going to have to be playing more aggressive than we typically play, I feel like. I'm getting really nervous with this 2-0 and o business right off the bat. Yeah, <laughs> as we all go 0-2 I'm worried we're all going to go 0-2 on the first. Yeah, <laughs> it's not going to even matter. Yeah, that's okay. You just throw that episode away, Mitchell. <laughs> we'll just yeah. cut this all out. 0-2 can always happen, but let's, 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 let's be optimistic. 2-0, and o, and then we're on recon. And I've seen all of us play recon. I've played against all of us in recon. None of us play recon aggressively. Yeah. Except one time against Mitchell. I played aggressively. But 
we all play very passively and that's like our catch game where we're minor victory is great we're told all of us are very happy with the minor victory so this will be because we usually play slow moving low model count armies so that's why we're usually okay with the minor victory you know that's why but can't do it this time all right it'll be a blast so more to come uh it'll be a fun it'll be a fun recap looking forward to the event um we're going to do, again, we'll take lots of pictures like we did last time. We'll, when we do the episode, we'll be able to pull up pictures of the, the boards, our lists. It will be a really interactive um, session, I think. And, and hopefully one of us is bringing home the gold. We'll see. So, I need more confidence from Team Hammond. Come on. <laughs> so. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good one. All see right. Ya.